Episode 113 is here, everybody, with Schwartz and Priscilla, author and speaker. Uh, this is the type of episode that reminds you that no matter what kind of deck of cards or, or hand you're dealt in life, there's always a silver lining. There's always positivity. It's all about the mentality that you bring to the table. And, uh, you know, you get to dictate the way your life goes. So, Schwartzen, thank you for reminding us that. I do apologize. The audio on this does seem a little staticky from the phone line that he was on. But uh, nonetheless, this was a powerful message and a powerful 30-minute episode that I believe uh, provides value to people, especially people that are struggling or that have come through situations Um if you know anyone in the foster care system, this is definitely one of those episodes for you. Or if you've wanted to learn more about it, uh, he shed some light into it and, and just really shows you that no matter where you start, um, you could always finish in a positive place. And he's continuing down his path. So thank you, Schwartzen. Uh, before we get there, everybody, please subscribe, share, rate, continue to support the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we are growing, and that's not an accident. We are growing because of everyone's support. So thank you, guys. Thank you for your continued support. And with that said, as always, everybody, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Schwartz and Priscilla. The Optimal Life. Doing really good. Good, man. Good, good. Life, uh, life's pretty hectic when you, when you release a book, I take it. Yeah, yeah. I've been pretty busy. Uh, a lot of good things going on, though. You know, I take it all as blessings. Sure. So your book's called Be a Hero. Um, uh, be, be Your Own Hero. Be Your Own Hero, Turning Obstacles into Opportunities. Correct. So what, what exactly, to talk about your book, what is your book all about? Yeah, the, the book was a journey about um, finding my long-lost family. Um, you know, I grew up in the foster care system, so, um, you know, it was pretty much to let them know what, what they missed. Um, during the book writing process, um, I was actually looking for them. And so, you know, I lived an entire life, 25 years of living, and then I finally found them. And then so I released it out to let them know what they missed. But really the concept of it is to take responsibility um, of your own life, your own actions, your own decisions. So, so, so you did, at what age were you when you lost contact with your biological parents? Um, I was one. So You were one years old. I, was, and I had no recollection of them. Yeah, of course. So what what happened? If you let, let's go back to that a little bit, what what happened? Why did they uh, give you up for foster care? How how did that all come about? Yeah, it was um actually you know my my birth mother she was actually um you know mentally ill. Mom, she was incompetent of taking care of me and my older brother, and mm -hmm. so um you know the the sister foster care system ended up taking us away because we were left in an apartment building um, unattended for. The neighbors ended up calling the police and we were put in foster care. Wow. Yeah. So your mother was mentally sick, and she just left you guys abandoned one day. Yeah. My gosh. So you go into a foster care system, and how many years are you in the system? I was in the system until I was 14 years old. So what exactly is, for for majority of people that have no clue what the foster care system is, give us a little insight. Yeah, foster care is just, uh, you know, uh, pretty much like a... Uh, system that takes care of kids who um who aren't whose parents aren't able to take care of them um for either financial reasons for negligence you know it's a place where um you know uh, uh, it's just like a service provider place um where parents foster parents can apply to to take care of children at the best of their capability and it's just a place where you know you know child care is provided um it can look 
it looks different from state to state, from city to city. Some foster care systems own group homes. Some home just do, um, you know, uh, parent care stay for a temporary time. Um, you know, me and my brother, who's only uh, a year older than me, you know, we stayed in a couple of different um, foster care uh, parent houses. So. Wow. So you're you're busy bouncing around with these are people that are taking care of you. Um, on a daily basis, but there's a whole group of kids within one, is it like one building? What's the setup like? Yeah, so they have group homes for foster care. Mm -hmm. They have group homes. Um, In my particular, in one of my experiences, I was put in something similar to a group home uh, at age of eight, Um, as well as uh, they also have foster parents. So parents can apply to, to take care of children. Um, they get a stipend for taking care of other people's children. Um, if if family members cannot take care of the children within you know children who are in foster care, so so are these um, parents coming? Of, are they coming to these homes, or are they taking you into their own homes? Yeah, yeah, they're they're we go to their homes sometimes, but they initially they drop us off. You know, we're, we're you know so we're kids, so right. we kind of just go with where they take us. Have you ever seen the movie Annie? Yeah, I've seen Annie. Yeah. See, like when I think of foster homes, I think of that movie. You know, I mean, I yeah. hope I hope you didn't have a Miss Hannigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something similar like that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It is just like that. It is okay. Um, it yeah. is. So you guys are doing chores. You guys are cleaning. You guys are. I mean, how are the meals prepared? How is like? The, is it a daily routine? Is it very strict? How, what What's all that like? Um, it's all down comes down to leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever is in charge. And so, like I said, the, the kind of like the group home area I was placed in, it was like that. It was very strict. Um, it was a two-parent, two, um, uh, you know, foster parent um, household, yeah. a group home situation. And so, yeah, most of us just cleaned. We, you know, did what we were told, chores, you know, bed at a certain time, eat whatever was served. It wasn't much interaction. We didn't know, we don't know anything about their personal lives. We don't know anything about them. We just kind of do what we're told, go to bed, and pretty much do the same thing day in and day out until you until you age out. So as you're going through this, and, and you're you're getting older, you don't know anything different, right? I mean, this has been your whole life. Yeah, so, this is my whole life, right? So uh, is this to you as you're going through it? You're just thinking to yourself, this is. This is normal, or are you start, as you're getting older? Are you seeing kids that are coming from like what we will call normal traditional family upbringings? No, it wasn't something we talked about, and so like you know, kids in school, we never were allowed to say that we were in foster care, and so uh, it was pretty much my norm. So it was it was nothing to question until until I got rebellious. You know, I started showing behaviors that I didn't like the way they were treating me. Um, you know, things were going on in the home that I really didn't like. You know, I started getting in trouble in school, things of that nature. So I ended up just running away at 14 years old. Uh, right after I got it done, I ran away. And I couldn't take it no more. Wow. Yeah. So when you say you ran away, you know what? I'm hearing a little static. I don't know if it's my phone or um, I'm hopeful it's not going to affect the podcast too much. But... Mm-hmm. Um, so when you run away, you're running away at 14 years old. Uh, uh, what do you do? How do you work up the courage to do that? And where the heck do you go? Yeah, well, for me, I, I you know, being that I have lack of role models growing up, I kind of just drifted towards what I saw around the neighborhood. The neighborhood, you know, I grew up around. You know, I had 
um, you know, some gang violence, um, some opportunities for deviant behavior. You know, I was getting in trouble in school. So there was nothing positive for me to do. There were no extracurricular activities. There was no center for me to go to. So I kind of just did with the other, you know, juvenile kids did. And I became one of those kind of juvenile kids um, at my own term. You know, there were gang members in the house and the group home that we were in, you know. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, for the African-American household, that's, that's what I was exposed to. And I ran away because I was already, you know, in and out of gangs and carrying weapons. You know, I went that route. Right. For uh, you know, throughout my middle school years, up until my freshman year of high school. At what age do you start? I mean, when do you start developing those feelings of uh, of abandonment? At what age do you know when you're like, oh my god, my my parents left me when when we were little kids? That didn't come till a little late. I knew I knew. Uh, the story, because everything that you're told as a child, you're told from adults, whatever they want you to hear, whatever they want you to know. And so I just kind of started putting two into asking me the right questions, not until I got to college. You know, I, I, I felt abandoned, you know, there's a feeling, an internal feeling of abandonment at like age eight when I got from, moved from one home to the other. And um, I didn't ask the questions, like, where's my mother? Where, what happened until I, you know, until my conscience started clearing up at 
um, transitioned. That's when I started, you know, that's when I met a coach, really. I credit my coach to his ability to see see what I have, you know, as a, as a you know, adolescent youth and have an ability to play basketball, and he helped me out throughout the journey. Sure. Well, it's amazing how it, you probably met this person. You probably thought to yourself, where has this person been for the last 20 years of my life? Who? When I met who? When you met your basketball coach, this is probably a, a time where you, at least subconsciously, started thinking to yourself, "Huh, this is a this is a real influential figure. This is a mentor who I could rely on, right?" Right, right. Yeah, and I was only fourteen when I met him. Okay. So yeah, he kind of and I met him out of high school. You mm -hmm. know, he was already the high school I went was was in a, a nicer place. You know, in the suburbs, in a nicer area, and so. Um, you know, he was a positive role model that I, you know, I attached myself with. Basketball was just something, something to do. I had all this energy as a child. Uh, I just needed something to do. I just needed to channel my energy in the right way. And he helped me do that. Worked on my skills. You know, I even landed a college scholarship um, because of because of you know the belief that he had in me. So, at what point do you start uh, wanting to write the book? How old were you at that point? No, I wrote I wrote the book in six months. Mm -hmm. I wrote the book uh, when I was 24. But were you? But when when do you start? Like, what what's going on in your life in the last few years? Do you start kind of thinking to yourself, "I'm going to write a book one day"? How does that all come about? No, I ended up uh, going through a divorce. Actually, um, I married my high school sweetheart um, at 10 years after I met her. Um, the relationship fell apart. Um, you know, I didn't have a strong foundation of. You know what it meant to treat a woman. She didn't have a strong foundation of what it meant to accept love. Things like things of that nature. So when that fell apart, I was kind of left with with nothing. My brother said, "Hey, come move on with me." So by the, by that time, I was already you know playing professional basketball. He said, "Come move in with me. Get your stuff together. Um, you know, take responsibility and move on. You're grown. Let's, let's make something happen." And that's when the book writing process started. Mm. It started with me sleeping on my brother's couch. He had a one bedroom in Buffalo sleeping on his couch and I just started writing I didn't want to do anything else besides write and these what I was writing was the was the life story of Schwarzenegger still to the family I had never met ah uh, I got you and that had to be an emotional process oh very that had to be <laughs> that had to be crazy unloaded it all I'm like <laughs> at this point social status doesn't matter goals doesn't matter it didn't matter that I graduated from college it didn't matter that I, I play professional basketball it didn't matter I had all these accomplishments lined up and I still didn't know who I was at the core of me and so um, I didn't know what was you know what blood ran through my veins and things things of that and you know by the, like I said by the grace of God I was able to, to find them the day I finished the book so you, you you write the book for six months it's a plethora of emotions ups and downs lefts and rights I'm sure it's yeah it, it was painful it was deep and uh, I'm sure there was a lot of anger um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that there had to be a ton of anger that you were letting go and releasing during that process. Six yeah. months, the day you say that you finished the book, how, how, take us through the process. How in the world do you find your biological family? Um, I, I was so I'm grown at this. I'm 24. I'm paying for courts. I'm like I, I'm going to old addresses. I'm trying to put two and two together. I'm going on Facebook. I'm like I need a name. I just need a name of somebody who can point me in the right direction. I'm going to the old. You know, foster care systems, I'm telling them who I am. The foster care systems ended up changing brands. All this runaround haywire stuff. 
the name of my birth mother came from a former foster parent where they told me who my who that who that was and then all I did was put it on Google. Mm. I put my biological name with her her name on Google and I saw the search results and I just I said, Let me let me call the number. Ended up she had you know, my biological mom had the same number for the for the same thirty years. Wow. Living in the same address, living in the same place that where I was abandoned. Um, Holy. 24, 20, yeah, 24 years prior. Uh, I mean, what in the world is going through your mind as you're making that call? I mean, heart's got to be exploding out your chest. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I cried. To be honest, I cried. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know where do I start. Well, the first question I asked her out of anything was, where did my name come from? She told me the story of my name, and that's that's how I open up the book, Be Your Own Hero. She picks up the um, phone, and she and she says hello, and you say hi, and you say, this is your son? No, no, so I call, it goes to voicemail, I leave a message. Uh, I said, I'm looking for the mother of Schwarzenegger, um, Laurent at the time, not my, I had a different name, last name, and if, if this is her, can you please give me a call back? I've been looking for you for 24 years. Holy she cow, calls man. back. I see the number. I'm thinking it's her. I, I don't answer. She, she leaves a voicemail telling me this is your mother. Such and such. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so she, did you end up calling her back? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, what do you... After the you know the first some of the 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 pleasantries got out of the way, I mean, what do you what do you say? What what is the conversation like? Um, we need to meet. Yeah. We I, 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 I were you telling her, were you telling her? Yeah, I have questions. Why and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that would be up. My brother took charge of that of asking why did you abandon us? Like my brother was upset. I was upset too, but I I got all the anger out on on paper. Ah, right, right, um, yeah. right. And so my thing was like, I'm just trying to just find where home is at this point, you know, find out where my family is. So when you and guys go and you meet face to face, how how many days or weeks was it after you talked where you finally met? When we met face to face? Yeah. Uh, we met with the following, like two weeks after I called her. Okay. So me and my brother took time off work. I quit my job. It's the biggest thing in my life ever. You know, I finally find the origin of my name and why she named me. So we took off time. We we searched for other family members. She she lived in um you know Brooklyn, New York, and we went to go visit other family members. We have like eighteen you know siblings in total between right. us two. Um, Holy our man. dad died six years previously. Um, so this is all. And all this happened last June, June twenty twenty nineteen. So. Wow. So you go and you meet with your mom, man. And face to face for the first time ever in your life, because you, obviously you right. don't remember her in your first twelve months of life. Right. Uh, what was the? I mean, give us, give us, like, what was the emotional experience like? Oh man, I went to the to the place that I was abandoned. Um, you know, she grew up 20, 30 minutes away from where I was placed in foster care, in the same place. So she tells me her address. You know, we go to the door. I knock on the door. She's in the apartment. She opens the door, and I have zero clue who this woman is. Not even a little bit. But she starts crying. She cries, and she she hugs me and my older brother, and we have a moment, um, you know, where, you know, it was a... 
I didn't know who she was, but she, you know, she was the she was the woman who gave birth to me, and so she, she just showed me these baby pictures. We have hundreds and tons of baby pictures that she kept over the years. I'm hoping that one day we will find us find her, but um, she also had you know other kids in the process. You know, we I'm her youngest child. She had older children that she also lost to the foster care system. So it became something more than just her losing her kids. It became something of a, a mental health issue. Um, you know, that, that, you know, took took her kids away. Um, you know, where she wasn't responsible and she, you know, she, she didn't she didn't have the proper care. She she had migrated from Haiti. At, you know, at a certain age she couldn't speak English, so it was a whole lot going on, but I was so hypnotized by the photos of me seeing my biological mother holding me at one years old, and I'm conscious. Mm-hmm. My biological father being around, she took hundreds and hundreds of photos, and so I was just sitting down looking at them while my brother was asking them questions. Wow, man. Questions. Yeah. So after you spent time with her, and she explains to you what, what's occurred and, and the reasons and all that, was that, was that a huge step in your healing process? Were you able to let go of some of that anger? It was. It was the step. It was. It was the step. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, I'm a man of faith, and so you know, to forgive 26 years. Of, you know, I went through abuse, trauma. We talking. I You know, I'm an adolescent kid. I don't know who I am. I'm. I'm fighting. I'm carrying weapons. All of that comes down to that one moment, and I had to add a choice. You know. You know, human nature, we want to seek revenge. Um, naturally, instinctually, we just want to harm people when we feel hurt. Yeah. And I had to make a choice, you know, to, you know, and I looked at my Savior, Jesus, as he forgave us, I had to forgive this woman. Because still to this day, there's still some mental health issues she's still battling with that um, still deny the reality of what happened. So. Wow, wow. You mentioned in one of your recent posts something along the lines of why black boys... Uh, don't cry or can't cry. Yeah. Talk talk a little bit about that. It sounds like you came from something along those lines. Yeah. So the first foster home, well, one of the, like foster homes that I got adopted in, um, there was a man who I didn't know anything about. You know, he smacked me upside the head, and you know, I, I, at the first day I met him. You know, he's, he's grown older. He, he just wants to set the law, set the tone. I don't know who this man is, so I'm not I'm not really giving him my full respect or undivided attention and things like that. So he started hitting me. I'm eight years old, and he's just trying to get my attention by hitting me, smacking me up. And then Adam crying. I'm eight years old, I'm crying, telling me, men, men don't cry. Real men don't cry. You suck it up. And so that suppressed so much of me um, to express myself. That's really why it harmed my relationships going moving forward. And I realized after I, you know, learned the educational portion of it, to realize that, you know, there's a discrepancy of black men being soft. That's why they can't cry and things like that. Um, I had to kind of de- debunk that. And now that I'm, you know, I'm a, I, I, I'm a caretaker for children right now. I have to take care of 30 children at a boys and girls club. And I let them cry. If they got to express themselves in a way that's healthy, I, I do that. And so that, that post made me think about my own reflection of being suppressed emotionally because this man wouldn't let me as a black boy cry. Wow. Yeah, you know, I think that that's, uh, there's probably, that's not necessarily even race specific, although uh, I understand what your post was. Um, 
Uh, and, but you know, you hear about that from so many people. It's almost like finally, this generation coming up, your generation, has finally opened up the door for people to feel vulnerable and say it's okay to show your emotions and cry and be vulnerable and just be be you and authentic and uh it's a beautiful thing man it's a beautiful thing to see people accepting that and embracing that because 20 years ago you're right that was the mentality suck it up son and all that does is it is it it creates issues for for you down the line yeah so uh i thought that was a powerful post uh so through all this you've created this company hero leadership group what exactly is that? Um, <clears throat> leadership is influence. Um, hero leadership is a greater level of influence. Not just influence, but positive influence. Uh, there's a story I heard about a woman whose child was trapped in a car. The woman's about 110 pounds soaking wet. The child is three. She's about to burn up in the car. Um, she uplifts the car. The story, you know, it birthed from a story of a woman uplifting a, a 200, you know, a ton car, lifting it up and saving her child. Um, it's a different level of of reality, of of strength that is given to a person when they're faced with um, insurmountable odds coming against you. The likelihood of her lifting up a car is never going to happen. And so, uh, you know, it's but for her. The love of her child forced her to tap into a strength that, you know, that most people can't understand unless, you know, it's life or death. And so that's how the Hero Leadership birth. It was, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a program that develops kids to be more courageous than what they are meant to believe. Ah. So what are some of the things that you guys, what are some of your focuses? How do you, what are the programs? What do they look like? Yeah, focus is on, um, leadership development through vision which is goal setting and uh, courage you know how people stay encouraged during tough times what do they do if they um, if they you know talk what you know what exactly do they do and so approach them to kind of get them thinking what do I do what do I do I listen to music do I tell a friend do I you know you know right nowadays they're browsing Instagram you know but that doesn't really help them so I offer some some key insights on what it is that they that they couldn't do to help with their difficult situations. Kids don't talk until they're older, but that trauma follows them. And then ultimately, I use me as an example to how to use your superpower. In my book, I talk about confidence being my surreal superpower, and when it was taken away, how I responded. How do you respond if your abilities, natural abilities, God-given abilities, no longer work for you? What do you do then? And you know, we're all faced with the decision. And I, and I challenge those kids to face that decision as well. What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> what do I personally do? I mean, I, I pray. Um, I know that life is about constant change, and I have to under, discern the times of when change is happening rather than not wanting to change at all. Um, so really, it's, adapt, it's about adapting. It's, you know, Charles Darwin talks about survival of the fittest. Um... You know, really, it's about love. You know, I read his book. Um, you know, that talks about survival of the fittest, and really, he, his whole concept is about love. Love is is, is when you understand, um, you know, your fellow people who who survive. What does the fittest mean? And it's it's a certain type of love that I like to capture within my program as well. It, it's it's incredible that everything that you've come through, 
and uh, from a, from a young age all the way through your young adulthood to find still the silver lining it sounds like in your path in your journey to be able to take that that negative when 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 all your superpowers and everything else was stripped away from you you were able to still come through and find positivity in the situation and uh, put out a book create a company and now share your message with other people um, how, how what 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 has been the single biggest influence on you in your opinion in order to allow you to have that mentality the single biggest influence was you know not just to be all spiritual but it is Jesus um, there were times where I wanted to take my life there were times where I felt abandoned misused neglected I'm talking assaulted sexually I'm talking the worst of the worst when I finally read my story and I read, you know, the story of Jesus. I kind of like, you know, it, it, it's it's either now or never, God. Like, I need to I need to do something with my life, or or I, you know, I have a background of someone who is mentally incarcerated, or you know, just regularly incarcerated. Um, I had to give my life to Him, and so I, I you know, God, you know, I'm, I'm truly blessed to to just be functioning in society. With, a, with that kind of background, understanding trauma. So what I do now, I just educate. I, you know, I'm getting my master's right now in mental health certification. I have my bachelor's in management entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, one chapter of my book is called Forming of a Supervillain. It tells you exactly what happens, how do you create the banes of the world, how to create the, the killmongers of the world, the jokers. They have my background. Um, but I, I make a decision, a, a God-given decision, to do the right thing and help other people go through their trauma and and, and of course ex and based on my experience but also through the educational route they have to understand and learn that you have a choice some people don't believe that they have a choice and I, and I, and I let them see through my book it is about choice so your faith has really carried you correct well that's a pretty wild story man I mean it's a pretty crazy thing that, that uh, you've came from where you came from to where you are and uh, it's absolutely incredible that you're making a positive impact you've got the company the speaking the the, the book uh, where can people find you online if they want to go uh, order the book or, or connect with you on social yeah sure um, well my website is uh, hero leadership group.com and I'm also on Instagram at Schwartzen S-C-H W-A-R-T-Z-E-N underscore the number is 828 um, I'm on Facebook Schwartz and Priscilla and they can check the uh, book out on, on my website um, I did get an award for it for a young adult uh, nonfiction um, best book award so you know have, the story is powerful enough to, to win the award so you know I'm just, it's uphill from now I'm still up and coming I did get a few bookings from it so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful I just live with a heart of gratefulness now that's, that's beautiful you that's beautiful hey bro appreciate you sharing your story thank you very much and uh, we'll be watching you and rooting for you and, and uh, great things uh, great things ahead for you so thank you again alright appreciate it Nate have a good one